Good afternoon. Rich Nass with Open Systems Media here with technology editor Brandon Lewis for our weekly spot of the embedded experts. Yes, that's what we call ourselves. We think we're experts, right, Brandon? Yes, we do. <laughs> so uh, we've been talking a little bit this week about operating systems and um, actually more about the people who own those operating systems. And Brandon brought something to my attention that I thought was pretty interesting that if you look at the leading vendors, many of them are owned by other people, and in most cases, a hardware company. For example, Wind River was acquired by Intel. Um, Micrium was acquired by Silicon Labs. Uh, Monte Vista was acquired by, help me out, Brandon. Cavium. Cavium. And, and the list goes on. Um, you know, you still have some other guys out there, like you have Green Hills, who I believe is a private company, you have Express Logic, who I believe is a private company. But what does this mean when the operating system companies are getting sucked up by the hardware folks? I think, from my perspective, there are a couple of things that are going on. Firstly, software, as the quote goes, is eating the world. And, you know, with along with that, there's also the problem in industry, as we've seen over the last few years with all of this merger and acquisition going on, that margins are getting driven down so much in silicon um, that companies like Intel, like Cavium, like Silicon Labs are looking for other ways to monetize uh, their solutions. And a good way to do that without the overhead of having to design a new chip, which is getting increasingly expensive, is to go down the software route. And so I think that, you know, you're going to continue to see this happening. Well, what does that mean for the other hardware guys who, who don't own an operating system company, like an ST or Renaissance? Are they going to be looking to acquire somebody, or do they think that these guys will hold true to form and they, they really won't? You know, it's kind of interesting. When you look across the industry, I'm actually working on a piece right now where uh, a leading operating system vendor, or I'm sorry, a leading semiconductor vendor uh, said that they didn't really believe in open source. Uh, they thought that uh, there were security concerns, which is interesting because most of the time when I think of open source, I think that open source is more secure. So... On the other hand, you could have semiconductor vendors thinking that, um, you know, maybe we don't need to buy an operating system guy because everybody is going to be using open source. Um, for the developer, uh, it really just depends on what you're doing, but you're probably going to see a lot of semiconductor manufacturers, at least leading edge ones, start putting out these, well, you've already seen it, putting out these entire solution packages for you uh, that include uh, development tools, that include the operating system of the company that they bought, and really get you, you know, pushed off from the dock in a way. Well, the guys who do not have their own operating system, will they have to support everybody? Well, I think those. I think that that was my point about open source. I think they're going to say, you know, we'll provide a hardware hardware abstraction layer, um, and you're going to, you know, figure it out on your own. I'm I'm, I'm not really sure. I think that the the indicators are that eventually either those those semiconductor companies are going to be either trying to develop software in-house or you know maybe they'll try and pick up one of the couple operating system guys that are left or you know maybe they'll just leave developers to their own devices. 
Well, the rules of the game in the past were always flipped in that the operating system guys, the onus was on them to support right. the hardware. Right. Now it seems like that's sort of spinning around, and the onus is now on the hardware guys to support the operating system. Funny how that works. Yeah, that is kind of funny. The other thing that's, that's kind of interesting based on a conversation I recently had is um, the possibility of RTOS being so niche anymore that maybe a lot of this is a moot point. You know, with some of these processors today, you're getting up into – 32-bit designs that could you know, run a gateway-type application and maybe even run Linux. So at that point, when you start getting into Linux-class devices, um, does RTOS really have uh, a significant role to play anymore? What do you think about that? Well, the term RTOS is sort of a funny one because, I mean, is there really such a thing as, as real-time? I mean, you know, that sort of came out back in the day when we were talking about um, delays that could be measured, and then real-time came in and replaced those with something that was sort of real-time. But now we're working in, in places where you really need real-time when you're looking at medical devices and automotive, and I, and I think I've lost it. I think I've lost where you were going with that question, but um, there's definitely a need for real-time operating systems, and I don't think that that will ever go away. Uh, no matter how much we go into Linux, um, there are definitely applications that will require what we are calling real-time for sure. Yeah, but isn't real-time just semantics? I mean, you just brought up the point just now. I mean, it depends on the application. So I'm not saying that real, real-time operating systems are going to be dead, you know, dead as a doornail dead. Um, but more and more, especially with work that's going on in Linux um, and the vast number of developers that are using Linux, do you see the, that creeping down and just kind of limiting uh, the factors or the, the efficacy of, not efficacy, the market, market potential of RTOS? No, not when you look at the, the applications that it's going into, and it's the very high-margin applications that will continue to drive that. You know, if, if, if you look at the military space, the uh, aerospace, even all the industrial stuff that we're, we're seeing, there will always be a need for that, and, and as, as long as the margins stay up there, they will continue to perfect that stuff. You know, you spoke about security earlier. Um, every time one of these operating systems gets hacked, the people who do secure, you know, the QNXs and the, and the Green Hills, they're coming out and saying, see, we told you, we told you, you, ha you need a secure operating system like ours. So I, I don't see them going away, and, and I don't see them getting all that diminished. Well, that's kind of interesting that you brought up the margins and those applications because I would tend to think that the places where an RTOS is going to be playing is in the lower margin uh, devices. Of course, incredibly high volumes, which again goes back to the earlier point of semiconductor companies buying software companies. We are going to agree to disagree on this one. I, I think it's the high volume, low margin that will be pushed toward the open source and the Linux and the free RTOS, um, and it's the lower volume, high margin that will keep these guys in business. All and right. I, I think the one uh, place where, it's, where there's, where there's a, a disconnect in my logic is automotive, where the volumes will still be high, but the margins are decent. Okay. Well, like you said, agree to disagree.
<laughs> okay. I think that's good for this week, and I have a feeling we'll be hearing from some of these OS vendors and even the chip guys to uh, see what they have to say, whether we are right or wrong or we're out in left field. <laughs> Probably left field. Okay. That was Brandon Lewis, and I am Rich Nass, and we are the Embedded Experts, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks, Rich.